It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 276, The Miraculous Catch of Fish. Jesus' fame grows to such a level, crowds flock to him. Some for his fame, some for his healing, some because he is God. Jesus continues to preach and minister the kingdom until one day he ends up at the shore of Galilee, pressed aggressively against the shoreline. Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. All right, we can't miss this. The mention of great crowds here pressed in on him can't just be read over. This is excessive what is going on. This will happen repetitively. And the language here, it's going to actually grow stronger over time. And we'll hear later that he's pressed against. He's almost nearly crushed. These are massive crowds. They're thick. And he has to get creative just to teach them. Luke 5, 2. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Ever seen that before? What a first. Crowds, massive crowds. And now he preaches from a boat. I don't think anyone's ever repeated this one in world history. He preached from a boat because there was no room on the shoreline. So far, Jesus preached from a front door or a window, a synagogue, and now a boat. Jesus is pretty original, eh? I love later in the Sermon on the Mount, it says he went up to a mountaintop. And he sat down and taught them. It wasn't that he was preaching from a mountaintop as much as the fact that he sat down. How unusual. Jesus does everything so different. Now, after Jesus preaches to the crowd, he has an exit plan on the boat. But better yet, he has a miracle tailored just for his primary lead disciple. One who still doesn't seem to totally believe yet. Peter's story is a constant escalation and revelation. He, he doesn't get it at first. In fact, it'll take him really three years to get it. And the rest of his life, he'll be doing the works and unfolding this revelation of everything poured into him during these three years of ministry. Have you ever started a new job? Um, at Amazon, they have a saying, drinking from the fire hose. Um, it's basically used for onboarding almost as a joke. And those who start a new job, they're basically inundated with information, data, onboarding, and training. It's drinking from a fire hose. Peter will have his version, but it's an ongoing three-year teaching, drinking from the depths of the Spirit and the heart of God. So before we talk about the miraculous catch of fish, we have to know more about Peter. Peter, who Jesus has already renamed, basically runs a family business of sorts, a fishing enterprise on the Sea of Galilee. He could have owned anywhere from two boats to a dozen boats. Peter is loud, outgoing. He has a black and white type of personality. And I imagine he's the guy who never loses a bet or a competition. He's always right, or he'll convince you. He's aggressive in his thinking. He speaks his mind and is quick to speak and slow to think. He's a natural-born leader with a business acumen and skills. He's an older brother, and he cares for his household. He's brilliant, yet foolish at times. He leads without conviction, blown by the winds of the day. That is, until Jesus comes. 
and he'll change everything. Fishermen were a hardy type of men. They were accustomed to difficult work and hard long hours. And Peter had just finished an all-nighter and he caught nothing. Uh, Peter is a seasoned hard worker, a leader, a tough guy. And now Jesus says, let's go fishing again. Luke 5, 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I'm pleased that Peter didn't have a horrible attitude. It wasn't perfect, right? But uh, because he had just tried and he, you know, he folded their nets. They worked hard to close up shop for the day. But notice how he calls Jesus master here. So he says, master, we worked all night. He doesn't call him Lord, but this will change. Also, Jesus said, let's go into the deep waters, which is always representative of the spirit. The depths of the waters represent a life in the spirit. A deep spiritual walk, a deep teaching, a moment of great revelation was going to come to Peter's heart in the deep waters. The Sea of Galilee is 13 by 7 miles. It's the lowest freshwater lake on the planet and second lowest lake in the world after the Dead Sea. It's fed mostly by springs and is the source of the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee has three primary types of fish uh, that, you know, I'm going to probably mispronounce these. Uh, Benny, a type of carp, um, is in there. There's also sardines. There's millions of them. And there's another fish called the musht. It's a good-sized fish, 15 ounces, um, and uh, anywhere from 15 ounces to 3 pounds. Uh, people like this fish because it tastes good, um, its size is pretty good, and it's pretty much the best catch on the lake. Today, if you go to a restaurant on the Sea of Galilee, um, they call it St. Peter's Fish. And many a restaurant on the lake today have this very dish on their menu. The sardines were quite common, and these are the fish you see in the movies when you see this miracle portrayed. And sardines can be found in the thousands, if not the millions. They're swimming in massive groups. Um, a nearby town called Magdala um, can be interpreted from Greek as the place where fish are salted. As for the boats, there was a monopoly on the type of boat, so they all look the same. Have you seen any pictures or the biblical movie? They're all kind of the same. 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and over 4 feet deep. What I think is fascinating is there's a capacity of over a ton, and potentially way more than that. That's 2,000 pounds. These vessels can hold massive quantities of fish. Luke 5, 6. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. So they had let their nets down, and the nets are tearing. Shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. We're talking thousands and thousands of fish. And I love how this is portrayed on the movies and the TV shows. The Chosen was a great one. The Bible miniseries has a cool one. I have a friend who is a missionary. His name is Luke Walters, and his ministry is Map 1040. And he said he went to Israel and talked to a tour guide and told him there was underwater currents and underwater niches um, at the bottom of the sea, which can be lead to that perfect catch. Jesus knew this, or he could have just simply drawn the fish spiritually. 
or put his hand in the water and drew them. I mean, man had dominion over the creatures of the earth according to the promise given to Adam. Regardless, Jesus could have done a variety of things to bring forth the miracle. I don't even want to do the math, really, except for the threshold of sinking these vessels would have been required of thousands and thousands, tons of fish in this boat. It must have been utterly amazing. It must have been almost disgusting how the fish were all over. You know, they were almost sitting in fish. There were so many of them. Luke 5, 8. And when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with them. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishers of people or fishers of men. And as soon as they had landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Here, Peter changes his language. He didn't call him master. He called him Lord. It's like Peter truly gets saved here. He repents like never before. A miracle with the fear of the Lord and a multiplication happening right here. A miracle created for a businessman. A tailored miracle for the man Jesus called to lead his disciples, a future fisher of men. It's what you'd expect for his future leader. All of a sudden, Peter says, leave me. I'm a sinful man. I mean, Peter isn't kidding. He was not perfect, and nor are you and me. Peter got it in his heart, deep in his heart. He truly did. He repented. I mean, who wouldn't follow Jesus at this time, especially if you were not in the political or religious elite. His brother probably got it early. We know Nathaniel got it right away, but Peter needed more. Jesus pressed through, and with a custom miracle with tons of fish, thousands and thousands of them, more than they had seen in their entire life, Peter got it. Now put yourself in the understanding of Peter. He'd been fishing his whole life, the best catch was probably a few nets worth, never at full capacity. And I, and I picture he had some great fishing days, maybe. Ones that would have he would have called miraculous at the time. But they were maybe in, you know, maybe he caught a thousand fish that day. Not thousands. But today, it, it, may, it was overwhelming. Thousands and thousands and thousands of fishing experiences. He had never caught fish like this. And he has the catch of a lifetime, but much more. His boat was sinking to the number of fish. This was Jesus's doing. He drew, he truly commands all things. I picture Peter on his knees in tears, crying because he truly knew the son of God, God's own son, the Messiah was standing before him. It took a marketplace miracle for Peter to truly get it in his heart. Abundance of abundance of grace was staring Peter in the face. To end this episode, what messes with me is the maturity progression of Peter. We did a bit of this with Nicodemus, but we have so much more with Peter. 
We have the whole gamut with Peter. His rise, his fall, his rise, his glory, his death. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not just once or twice. I mean, it's just over and over with Peter. One would think he wouldn't have to confess and be awestruck here, but he was because he wasn't truly surrendered yet. The journey of Peter will progress with sudden collapses and restarts. He will declare Jesus is the Son of God at Caesarea Philippi. Jesus will speak his leadership over him, only for Peter to speak from the wrong spirit, the next actual, you know, words out of his mouth. He'll do miracles when sent out. He'll be taken to the Mount of Transfiguration, only to overspeak. He will follow Jesus, trying to defend him to the bitter end, cutting off the high priest's servant's ear. Yeah, that's what he does. Then he will deny Jesus three times, only to await his return and receive the rebuke and be confronted by Jesus with, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He'll be at the upper room at Pentecost when the freight train of the Holy Spirit arrives and bursts the church. And who was the one who stood up as the disciples' leader? It was Peter. He gave his first recorded sermon in Pentecost, an Acts 2, and 3,000 got saved. His journey will continue from here, and he'll still not be perfect. He'll be rebuked by the Apostle Paul after favoring Jewish traditions over more New Covenant, Christ-like traditions. Peter is every bit of flawed an individual that you'll find in the Bible. Here he is, and, and I remember studying David and his love for God, and yet despite his many flaws, God used him in extraordinary ways. Peter is so relatable for so many people in a similar way. He doesn't kill one of his mighty men and take his wife, but he will deny our sovereign Lord three times. But God will use Peter in extraordinary ways. Be inspired by Peter's story and understand he calls the most unlikely people to be his extraordinary messengers to a hurting planet. In the meantime, if you end up at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, enjoy one of those ancestors of St. Peter's fish at a local restaurant and understand Jesus can change any heart, even the rough fisherman type. Ever heard that statement, he swears like a sailor? It's true. But Jesus chose these hard-working, all-night-working fishermen to be his fishers of men. Four of the twelve would be fishermen, and his inner three would be fishermen, including his lead disciple. And we end this account with this relatable moment. Because it's Peter, he's relatable. David, he was relatable. Peter right here, he had been following Jesus. Put it in these terms, he had following. His brother took him to church. His brother led him to Jesus. He followed him from place to place. And he watched miracles and amazing things have been happening but Jesus asked him to go out on his own. He asked him to go out. He asked him to put his nets down. And when there was a custom moment created just for Peter, Peter didn't repent before, but he does it now. He fell to his knees and repented for being a sinful man. This is the action of Peter, and this is our first step in our salvation. It's repentance. Repentance always precedes salvation. It always precedes revival. We get on our knees. We begin our walk anew with Christ. And if you've been walking with Christ for years 
but you found yourself slipping away, you get on your knees. You go after God. You get on your knees. You're in complete submission. This is your first step, and it will take your hand from here and give you a new life. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Please make sure to subscribe, like, review, or share your podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Check out the website, messagetokings.com, or feel free to contact us at messagetokings at gmail.com.